Dedicated Followers of Fashion is proudly sponsored by Mod Shoes. Smart shoes for smart people. Check out their latest range of men's and women's shoes as well as their clothing label, 66 Clothing, over at modshoes.co.uk. But right now, Dedicated Followers of Fashion Episode 2, Brands. Welcome to Dedicated Followers of Fashion. I'm Tom Hoy. You may know me from Totally Wired Radio with my show Go Go Power and on Instagram at Tom the Mud. I'm Andy of Andy Mod Shoes Lindsay, as some people call me around Peterborough. I obviously run the Mod Shoes label and we'll talk about the mod thing and fashion for your wealth till tonight. <laughs> Simon? Uh, yeah, I'm Simon from Heritage Brands Incorporated and uh, my Instagram is Simon. C Pod sixty three sixty three or Heritage Brands Inc. Welcome back. This week we're going to talk about our favourite brands. We're going to start with Andy. What brand have you chose and why? Well, you've picked two, but what's your first, Andy? Well, the first one I was going to talk about is Fred Perry. Um, I was going to talk about it. I don't have lots to say about it, but I think it's important to talk about it because arguably, other than perhaps Clark's, it got there first. Um, and it's the first mod brand, if that's such a thing. Um, and we can, we can argue that one in a minute. But it's a little bit of history. Apparently, it's 1952. I think somebody asked Fred Perry to wear one at Wimbledon, and then it got endorsed. And then the family uh, created the Fred Perry brand that we know. And I believe, and you'd, if you believe the, the folklore, it kind of by the, the early 60s when mods were starting to dance in uh, clubs, and some arguably some might be taking chemicals that keep you going a lot faster, you tended to sweat. If you're going to sweat, you want to wear something that can breathe easily and you can dance in all night and still look cool. So arguably, you know, the Fred Perry being an English brand, no doubt it was probably available in some high streets, uh, um, but in sportswear shops, and that's where it enters a part of me. That's where it enters the, the mod the mod market or the mod sphere, if that's a thing. Um, they yeah, were saying I think, on I think when, hmm? no, I was gonna say I think that it originally started as a the white tennis shirt. Yes. And then he did the ta- table tennis shirts and he did the colours, different coloured shirts, and that's when the mods picked up on it. I think that was uh, you know, because originally it was just a, a pure white one, wasn't it? It, it was and one of the things that I'm, I'm intrigued about is, and, and something I want to talk about in another podcast, is, is are mods the first people to sort of wear sportswear? And I, and I say that very smallly. Do you understand what I mean? Because there's a whole load of mods who are kind of into suits and stuff like that. But over there, almost most definitely, you can see the cycling shoes. There's um, there's an Adidas on the guy from the Peckham Mods on the front of the Mods book. You know, so did Fred Perry enter there because it was a kind of a just a cool, a casual thing to wear, mm. and it was yeah, probably probably affordable as well because you, you think yes. about it. These are, these are young guys, 16, 17, 18 years of age in the sixties. So they've probably just left school. They've got their first job, and they they probably couldn't afford to buy a you know three button made to measure suit or you know made to measure shoes. So this is uh, something accessible to them that they can they can buy a Harrington, they can buy a Fred Perry, pair of Clark's Desert Boots, and you know they're off. Do you I think guess as well, sportsmen of that era were a lot smarter than they are now, weren't they? And I guess you look at yes. someone like George Best, for instance. He was a style icon, wasn't he? So it's kind of replicating your sporting hero i guess but, but is it what someone said on the last podcast i i'm intrigued with with the the the, the, the fact that it's an easily accessible thing mm. but something that was, simon said about the last podcast about rebelling in the late 60s but also something that mickey tenner said he was saying about the fact that he liked the idea of looking like the guys in west side story and he liked the idea of being different so would it seem reasonably square to be wearing a shirt with a tie. Do you understand what I'm thinking? Where it's wearing sports clothing out, do you, do you see as a, as a statement? That's quite a statement. It doesn't seem mm. like a statement now because everybody does. But back then, you know, most people, my granddad wore a tie to the day he died, bless him. You know what I mean? That's how people went to work, even on lave machines, they had a tie. Do, do, yeah. do you understand? I mean, I think, 
I think, um, I mean, you're right in saying it might be one of the first brands because you've got the laurel leaf on your chest. Yes. You know, it would have been one of the first, uh, first items of clothing with a, a brand that you're showing off that you're wearing a, a Fred Perry. Where would, most would things would, would have been unbranded. Would you have been able to be, get a Lacoste in England, do you think then, Simon? Or would that have been, do you think that had been Italy only? I don't know. Uh, in the 60s, because they, they invented the polo shirt, didn't they, back in yes. the 40s? think it was so i don't know i mean you know a lot of these american and uh french brands you could get them in certain shops but they would have been really expensive you know the brooks brothers shirts you'd get from cecil g or or austin's but they would have been i mean john simon famously says that they were four quid he said but you had to have one but you know four quid was a lot of money for a button-down yeah. shirt in those days so Going on from uh, what you were saying simon about the, the having a logo and showing it off would you say then that they did that perhaps because it's like a statement. It's like, oh, look, he's wearing a, he's wearing a sports item in public and he's not on the, the track or on the pitch. Would you say that's kind of why the mods adopted it, do you think? Yeah, um, I don't know the answer to that question. Sorry, not just to <laughs> turn journalist all of a sudden, but it's just interesting to uh, hear. It's interesting to, to, to wonder why they did pick up on Fred Perry, you mm. know, as, as a brand, you know, as, as mod got more casual, like I say, with uh, Levi jeans, desert boots, Harrington jackets, it, it became a lot more casual. Um, and then they go down to Brighton and start beating up rockers on the beach. You don't want to spend a lot of money on a suit and then go and... Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, when you're on your scooter, you know, you know, me, me, and, you, me and you have got scooters, Simon, do you, and, you know, the reality is, yes, you can wear a nice suit and you could go out for a ride out and it's, it's kind of... But you're not going to... You don't really want to be driving all the way from London to Brighton in the thing. I mean, mm. I know Julian Quadrophenia makes out that he does, but, you know, it's a bit really, you know, it's kind of, um, I mean, arguably what I find interesting about the Fred Perry, and probably we're going to touch on some of the other brands going forward, is that Fred Perry is, is a proper, I would argue, a proper heritage brand now. It's still around. And it's interesting how it got through Skinhead, it got through Northern Soul People, it got through Soul Boys in the 70s, you know, back to the mod revival, then arguably into the casuals and it's still there today you know that is it i'm i was trying to think other than lacoste of another brand that's not smart that's still around you understand mm. and and ultimately basically still the same thing which is a polo <laughs> you, you know it might have different lines here you know on the on the collar and they might do the wall one they might not do that you understand something but basically yeah. the basic polo is there What's your kind of appeal? What would you say your appeal to it, Andy, then would be the, the affiliation with the mod scene? Is that how kind of what got you interested in it? Or is it just because it's smart stuff? I, I suppose it's being a, a little mod. I mean, I'm, one of the things I was going to do tomorrow at work, we, I'm going to do a thing about the specials. Mm. And, and I know the specials are a scar band, two-tone band, and are they mod or not? Well, I'm not going to get into that. But, but the reality is that the first time you see them when you're 11 years old, and you see the audiences wearing like Fred Perry's jeans yeah, and they're yeah. dancing to Scar. You know, you're 11 years old. It doesn't take any brain science to go, this looks fat. It's like having a bandy t-shirt, I guess, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know yeah. exactly straight away what someone's into by, by what they're wearing, I guess. Yes. Yes. I think you're right with that, Tom. Mm. I, mean, I think that probably, I think that's what appealed to me. Yeah. And especially the aesthetic of the, of the, the specials, because they might be wearing a, a suit. But no, you didn't take long for Neville to get the jacket off and he'd always be wearing a Fred Perry. Yeah, yeah. For all it, they it's, might... It's oh. also strange that they weren't sold in menswear shops because I remember when I lived in Ely, we had to go to the sportswear shops to get your Fred Perry because uh, the same with jeans. You, you know, menswear shops didn't sell jeans. Uh, you had to go to someone like Millet's or, you know, the Army and Navy store to get your jeans. And, and trainers would be sport shops again but mm -hmm. now you can walk into a menswear shop and you can buy shoes you can buy anything you want really yeah. but yeah it's strange that the mods had to to hunt out these uh, sportswear shops to buy to buy their fred perry's i remember when i first was getting into fred perry i didn't realize the amount of fits they had like they got the m600 polo and all that and i didn't know i thought it was just one bog standard fit and i remember getting two different polos and one of them didn't fit and one did did you was it like that originally when you were younger? No, I think, I think there was just one fit. From what, right. what I remember, I think there was just a standard Fred Perry type. I think, 
do you think Simon though when we were younger a lot of things were a lot more localized so yes you might have gone to, to London perhaps to buy one but the reality is is that nine tenths of your clothes would have almost certainly come from the local person so somebody like yourself a rep would have sold that into a shop they would have said it sold last year we'll keep we just re, re, redo it you know do you understand yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no absolutely I mean I would I would either shop in Ely or Cambridge you know there would be the, the places for me and then if we were lucky enough we'd go to London you know to go to Carnaby Street or, or wherever but we certainly weren't going every week you know uh, Cambridge was a big trip for us when you're 16 yeah not to get chased by skinners and things yeah yeah <laughs> or casuals or you know yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was literally what six miles down the road but you know yeah. it, was a, it was a big trip to go to, to Cambridge to go shopping so yeah you, you spent all day there you got sorry, there at nine you would have sorry I keep talking to you, but you would have gone into a, a sportswear shop to buy that wouldn't you you would you, there wouldn't yeah. have been a flagship Fred Perry shop with nothing no, but no, no, no I mean if you think about Cambridge you had all the old shops Gentry Burlington uh, Michael Barry which were, were effectively men's boutique shops. You know, they, they sold a certain look. And then you had Topshop and Top Man, which came later. And then obviously 82 would have been next. But um, specific things like that. And like I say about, I'm going to talk about Levi jeans in a minute. You know, you couldn't get those in a normal men's workshop. You would have to go to, do you remember Jean Machine? That was in yes. Cambridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just a shop that just sold jeans. That's what different sold. brands of jeans was it? Yeah, there would be wow. Lee, there would be uh, Levi's, uh, Wrangler. Yeah, it was the jean machine, and um, and shoe shops sold shoes, sports shops sold sports. It was it was strange, really. You know, you've you've obviously you've met George Davis, who run uh, next or you yes. know. He was saying about in that, Tom, I, I, it's a brilliant book. You've obviously worked in pretty green. But his book talks about how, like what Simon's on about, which is where mm. women would have to go to different shops to basically buy, put an outfit together. And he realised this. And even the buying departments in the shops where he was, he said, this is ridiculous. If you walked into one shop and you could buy everything, the average order value and everything would just go up. Yeah, yeah. He invented Next, didn't he, Simon, in 1982? Yeah. And it, it oh, literally right. was the success of the 80s because he, he kind of fought it through. It's, it seems yeah. so obvious. I, mean, I, I, worked, I worked there in 1989, and, uh, and what you had in there, they were called wardrobes. So where it was, all the clothes were displayed, it was that shirt goes with those trousers, goes with that jacket, and they were all merchandised in, in what they, like I say, a wardrobe. And in ladies' wear, there'd be, you know, that blouse, that jacket, that skirt. They, these all work together, you know, and they sold shoes, handbags. And, and it was quite, you think about 1982, it's quite revolutionary to do that. Yeah, I know, you know we, we had that with Pretty Green, where I think originally we, we just kind of did jackets. And I remember there was, I think there was a little dispute with Liam over the mannequins started having legs, you know, putting trousers on. And he was like, no, get rid of the legs on the mannequins. We're a jacket brand. I think that was kind of like a little argument they had, but did, would you do you like Fred Perry's all round kind of stuff where they don't just obviously do the polos and all that now? They've got the, the shoe range yeah. and the chinos and everything yeah, yeah. that goes with it, haven't they? I think so. I mean, it's a modern brand working with in the modern limitation or the modern sphere, whatever way you look at it. They do uh, monkey boots with George Cox, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, they do some heritage brand stuff. So there's the odd shop. I think there's one around the back of King's, uh, uh, the the train station king's cross you know and it's got all the lovely stuff in it so i like the fact that not everything is available everywhere i mean you can't yeah. walk into john lewis and buy the, the posh posh stuff so that's quite nice it makes it um feel i've got some lovely before i was doing my shoes i've got some lovely fred perry ones woolen ones you know they're nice yeah, yeah. it's okay I mean, I think you, what you find with the brand um certainly what i've learned since uh, doing the job that i do is the DNA of a brand, for example, Fred Perry would be the polo top, Gabici yeah. would be the knitted polo top, Barracuda would be the, the G9. I would say 80% of their business would be on that. And then you have the little things around it, like, you know, Fred Perry would do jumpers and then they might do some jeans or some chinos and some trainers. It all complements the main range, but I, I would say the majority of the, the sales would come out of that polo. Mm. 
yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And interesting, there's, there's a guy on YouTube, they're out, they're old, or it might still be their CEO, and he said it's all about subculture. He said, you, you know, it's kind of, we never get into, oh, it's made of this and it's that. It's not. It's who's wearing it? Do they look cool? Spot yeah. on. You know? and, and, and I think to be fair to them, you know, that's pretty well stay the same. I don't know. Some people get a bit snobby about Fred Perry now, but really. I, You've got I the kind of hats off to them. They've done, no one else yeah. does it as good as them in terms of like their subculture page and who they've interviewed and all that. It's, they have the best ambassadors out of, all the brands, I guess, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> They're very yes. good. I mean, so... It's, it's a gun to your head there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but, but they do, you know. And, and yeah. But then they've got the money, the heritage, and they've got all of that. They've got such a big head start, you know. What, could I see a day where Fred Perry isn't around? I mean, I, I, I briefly want to touch on it, but I don't want to go on about it. But obviously they've got the problem in America with the, the, the Proud Boys, where yeah. the black ones were the, the yellow tipping. You know, now, you know, is that something that could push a brand over the edge? No, I think they're big enough and got enough about them that they can just, they can ride that one, you know? Yeah. But, but the reality is, is that they've always skirted that, you know? It's kind of, in England, we always still think that, dare I say, this is Skinner's being oi boys. Not all Skinner's are oi boys as well, we know. Do you know what I mean? But it's, yeah. it's, it's, always... it's interesting that the Burberry had exactly the same problem with yes. Danielle Daniela Westbrook, who was, <laughs> he was head to toe in the Burberry check with the pram and everything. But really, that only affected the UK. It, it only became shabby in the UK. The rest of the world yeah. didn't care. They didn't know who she was. You know, they carried on selling Burberry as a luxury brand, no problem. It, it only damaged the, the UK. So I think brands so, survive. So do we get a thumbs up or thumbs down? Yes. For that period? Thumbs up, definitely. What's your favourite piece, Andy, if you had to pick one? I um I've got that, that blue top I've got in there I really really like but they've got some lovely um, heritage stuff I brought my wife one a couple of years ago which is the, the sort of waffle blue with the crew neck and mm. I, when she wears that with like the little blue skirt I just think it looks really good so if I got a favourite now it's that one because because it looks really good on her but but because it just you just sort of think that's good and that isn't something you're going to get like other high street brands you know you're more yeah. like your top tops your necks and them doing that is something that you think they do that really well yeah it's not cheap but you're not going to see thousands of them it's good i like that's for me but yeah cool well that's fred perry now we'll move on to simon simon what's your first brand you've chosen so my first brand I have chosen is Levi Jeans. And the reason, I'm going to tell you a little story of how I first came to my first pair of Levi Jeans. So I was probably about 12 years old and I fancied this girl who was about a year older than me. It was my mate's sister. And I remember we were sitting on a wall and I had my rally chopper parked up and, uh, and she pointed to my jeans. She said, what are they? And I said, well, you know, they're jeans. And my mum had bought me a pair of Tesco's Delamere jeans. <laughs> and they were horrible. The more you washed them, Did they, they brush? Horrible. Did they brush? Oh, they're awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They were horrible. <laughs> so she said, nah, you don't want them. You want these. And she had the most amazing pair of Levi jeans that had faded. And so, of course, I went home and I said, mum, mum, I've got to have a pair of Levi jeans. Got to have a pair of Levi jeans. So she went off to Millet's or, or Jean Machine or whatever it was she got them. And of course, in those days, it, it was the cardboard ones, you know, they were the raw denim because she couldn't buy washed denim. So they would have been like cardboard. And I, she brought them home and she said, there you go. And I said, no, they're not the ones I want. I want the, the washed out one. She said, look, I know, let me wash them. Because allegedly my mum was the first one in Ely to have a pair of jeans because she was dating an American GI from the base and oh, got, wow. a pair, got a pair of Levi jeans in the 50s. Careful, careful where you <laughs> go with that story. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently her mum wasn't very happy about it at all, but I, may, I think she washed them about five times before I wore them. Whereas it's quite ironic now that the hipsters, they never wash their jeans because they want that raw denim. You know, they want it, they want to wear them in. Mm. So yeah, I mean, that's my first, first pair of Levi's and, and I just got them looking right. And then of course they fell to bits, which is what everybody <laughs> wants. You know, they want their, the holes in the knees. But, um, but I just briefly want to talk about also the, the 1985 um, advert that came out, which you remember the the one in the laundrette and the one in the bath. Yeah. And and Tom, we met Steve from the Isle of Wight. He's got a brilliant story. He has, yeah, yeah. So he has a shop in the Isle of Wight, and uh, in 1985, he went to a wholesaler in London, 
and the guy said, oh, you've got to buy these Levi jeans, you've got to buy these. There's an advert coming out. He said, it's going to be amazing. You've got to buy these jeans. And Steve said, look, none of my guys on the island wear jeans. You know, we all have to dress smartly to get into clubs and pubs. Nobody at the moment is wearing jeans. He said, no, 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 you've got, you've got to buy these jeans. This advert's coming out. So anyway, advert comes out. Now, I'm sure the one in the bath was the first one, but... Uh, and then the other, the laundrette one came after. I'm not sure. You know, the Nick Cayman one was the laundrette one. But anyway, he said the minute that came out, there were queues outside the shop for Levi jeans. And he went back to the wholesaler and they completely, completely sold out. Yeah. And I read somewhere that the sales went up 800% wow. on Levi Yeah, incredible. And that was purely from that advert. But they were, you know, the washed out Levi jeans. How many uh, variants did you use? Did you, was it more or less just the 501 that was about, or did you it was, make it 511 and all that? No, no, I mean, they, these came later. So the button-down fly uh, was the one you wanted. It was the Levi 501s. I mean, mm. as far as I can remember, they were the only styles that um, you could get. And then later on, Levi brought in all the washes and all the different fits and the yeah. 511s in there. You know, and the, they were the red tabs. Uh, the Big E Levi, yeah. um, that, that came, well, that, it was Big E up until 71, and then they changed to, to the Little E. The collectors all want the, the Big E, and I happen to have, uh, the viewers at home, or the listeners at home can't see this, <laughs> but this, this is an original 1960s um, oh, Big wow. E Levi jacket. And one of the ways you can tell is because it hasn't got a care label in it. So oh. if you buy if you buy Levi now, the care label will be a, a foot long in loads of different languages, you know. Whereas the original sixties ones, they wouldn't they wouldn't tell you how to wash it, you know. So that's why I chose uh, Levi jeans, and I I think they're quite a mod thing as well. I don't know why mods didn't wear Wrangler and they didn't wear Lee. They wore Levi's. Oh, that's a good point. Interesting um, point. Yeah. Is, is Simon, I mean, is, is it the, the jacket that Dolce wears on the My Generation cover? Is that a Levi? Is that, is that a court? Is that I a... I, I, there's the white jacket that Keith Moon wears. I mean, yeah, again, that, is that a Wrangler, that one, isn't it? I might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're I very Yeah. And I want to go over to Tom, young Tom here, who, uh, a jeans story. So, Uniqlo, white jeans. Uniqlo now, jeans are brilliant. Love them. Now, now, the difference between mods and rockers is in Levi jeans. Now, the mods would take them to a tailor and have them tailored with an inch turn-up, where the rockers wouldn't care. They'd just turn them up. So if they were short, they'd have a massive turn-up. And if they were tall, they'd have a small turn-up. But, Tom, you had yours tailored from a what to a what? <laughs> 30. <laughs> something's 34 leg to 28. I'm tiny. You went from a 34 inside leg to a 28 inside leg. That's right. And and I know she didn't have a turn-up because they're salvage, but you chose not to have a turn-up. Um, I, I can do. I can do a very small one. I like my turn-up maybe an inch, not too big. But, yeah, just because, <laughs> yeah, well, I've always think white jeans, I prefer them without a turn-up. I kind of like the like, perfect straight look to them. Whereas indigo denim, I do like a turn-up with. I, couldn't, I don't know if I like wearing them without really these days, but... Don't yeah. you think that's a real mod thing to do, that the, the mods took a pair of jeans to the tailor to have them exactly the right <laughs> On a, Every time I get stuff taken up and I say 28 leg, they always go, that's, that's short. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> you want to see a bit of your sock with your loafers or whatever. You, Absolutely. I, mean, I, hate it, that, I, I, have mine, I have mine taken up to a 30, so I'm, hmm. I'm not that far off you. And I, I'm, I'm normally I'm a 34 inch leg, but I, I do tend to wear mine short. Yeah. Too short. Should we see how short my inside leg is? Are you re ready for this? Because you are going to laugh when I tell you. Ready? <laughs> I, I have a sewing machine which I brought just so I, I could take up jeans myself so they would look right because the person did it in Peterborough and they made such an arse of it. I thought, how hard can it be? Mm. Um, you ready for this? I'm 25 and a half inside leg. 25? Yeah. Really? How do, you, how do you get on your scooter? <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't have a Rally 200. That's why I got rid of it. Because it's a pretty beautiful. I used to be like that at traffic lights. So I used to be over on one side. But yeah, yeah. So I think that's a quite mod thing to do. I brought a whole sewing machine just so I could sew them up myself. Mm. You know, that was a... You're such a mod, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's that, that video that you sent, uh, Simon. I can't remember what it's called. It's about, is it about like the, the Colombian mod? It's kind of like a little parody video. But if anyone's yes. ever seen it, you will know what I mean. If you've not heard brilliant. it, absolutely brilliant. And he wears white. He's white jeans in that are immaculate. Yeah. Like yeah. And I think when they look almost half masked, you're doing it right. I think. I, I yeah, love that over tailored look. And why I've got another story i've got loads of stories but my white levi jeans story so we went to brighton to the the august bank holiday yeah and there was uh there's a vintage shop there and he was selling white jeans and they're quite hard to get white levi jeans so me and my mate guy the doctor we pile in there and we didn't even bother going in the changing room we just stripped off put these jeans on and we thought right these are the boys so anyway i was wearing them um, a couple of weeks later and guy looked down and he said What's going on with your jeans? And the crutch had completely rotted out. Oh, no. There was I couldn't see it myself, but you know, the I think what he'd done, he'd got a pair of Levi jeans and then bleached them white, which of course oh, completely, completely yeah. destroyed them. And they just <laughs> they just fell to bits. Either that or just a cheap white pair that he's sewn the red tab up. <laughs> Something yeah. like that wouldn't surprise me. But, but Levi's has got some other interesting things. I think it's not just the, the jeans themselves. Uh, I, that's why I touched on those trucker jackets, because the, the, the jean jacket is pretty cool. You know, mm. um, I like I like those ones. I, I think that I'm not. I don't know if they are or not. Somebody will no doubt tell us later. But the Levi ones, I really do like the one that Daltrey and Moon wears on the front of that, the Who My Generation album, because I think that's such an iconic album as well. Mm. And and certainly, you know. When we lived, I lived out in the sticks like Simon's does, you know, when you, a lot of what we were doing wasn't necessarily because you saw somebody else wearing it. It was very much like, oh, wow, look at that. That's cool. Yeah. You know, so as you, as you can afford things, you, you buy what you can. So that look, you know, to me looked cool, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but Levi's is an interesting one, Simon. I was thinking about this when you said you were going to talk about Levi's. Levi's is totally one, though, where we pick the, the bits we like because their range is huge, mm. but we only like the bits we like. Does that make sense? Yeah, if, you, if you're a buyer and you go to Levi's to buy Levi's, you can't just buy the jeans. You can't just walk in and say, I just want the 501s. You have to buy across the range. They won't let you. So you have to buy the T-shirts, you have to buy the jackets, you have to buy, you know, you know across the range. You can't just cherry pick it. So yeah, it's interesting that, um, again, I would imagine 80% of their business is on the, the jeans, but they do lots of other stuff around it as well. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, have you got a favourite bit of Levi's, Simon? Oh, my jacket, yeah. My biggie Levi jacket, original 1960s. Uh, yeah, it was a great find. Cambridge Market, I don't think the woman who was selling it knew what she had. But, um, yeah, that would be my, my favourite. <laughs> Were you standing there shaking like this? <laughs> yeah. How much did you pay for it, if that isn't? too rude it was it was uh, i feel a bit embarrassed it was up for 40 quid and i i think i haggled her down to 25 quid it's very good though <laughs> i know i know i feel bad now but there you go if she hears this <laughs> does she know where <laughs> you live <laughs> yeah because we've got millions and millions of listeners <laughs> yeah. well, I, I, well i thought we did <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right, on that note, over to you, Tom. Okay, so the first brand I'm going to talk about tonight is uh, Art Gallery Clothing. And anyone that follows me on Instagram will know that my collection by Art Gallery is probably a bit inhumane. And <laughs> Andy's got his phone out, just to make sure I'm not lying. But um, I love Art Gallery for a number of reasons, but I think the main reason is because a lot of it looks vintage, but it's produced um, today and... I think a lot of mod labels can sometimes run into the uh, bracket of looking like fancy dress, but Art Gallery have the really nice balance of looking vintage, but at the same time, it's brand new, good quality gear, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Tom. Yeah, I think no, I think you're right. I mean, I've got some Art Gallery tops, and uh, I, I love the styling. The quality is mm. very good. The fit's very good. So I think they do a really, really good job. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, bit of history about Art Gallery. It was formed in 1996. It was originally a DJ collective of just a group of mates. And then they went on to decide, oh, we could make a few t-shirts and they got their little logo on there. I think, I'm not dead certain on this, but I think the name Art Gallery comes from the Artwoods, the, the album, didn't they? Art Gallery. I think it is, yeah. mate. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah it must be. And uh, Alex, who I've got to know, who runs the brand over the last year, I've kind of got to know him a bit more. He um, looks back at archives and you'll see a picture where I get, uh, someone in the small phases, for instance, would be wearing a jumper and you'll think, let's make that. And I just love that whole thing about it. It's run by someone that really does have a passion rather than a design team or someone that's come out of uni and then had a quick crash course in 60s men's styling and been like, well, design something like this. He's literally recreating pieces. I think that's what I like but he, about it. He, but he also has a very good mod aesthetic because, and he yeah. understand, understands colour. I don't think I've ever seen anything where you think, why has he picked that orange with that turquoise? Mm, yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, and if they do, it works. You know, they're very, they're very good at getting the colours right. I mean, I, you know, there's certain other brands... Um, I mean, me and Simon have had discussions about this. You know, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying not to be rude because it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but some not some, like you, Andy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes Simon will bring through some of the Capici things they think are getting back and getting made, and sometimes yeah. you sort of think, why has he put that colour with that colour? Now, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's. I don't. I, do, I know why they do it because it's kind of fun. You know, it's modern. It's all that sort of stuff. I get it. Mm. But but art gallery, I've never seen anything where I thought. Why has he done that? It's, it's, it's always like, yeah, it's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's good. yeah you know, it's, it's nice. Yeah. Top. And I think it's that's... like um, immediate in Brighton, I think he does collaborations with him. Mm. And uh, he has some really nice one off pieces. Uh, you know, he does a great job. There's, there's some not really nice stuff. And I, I, I don't know how certain this is, but I think I feel like a lot of his stuff is based on, like, for instance, he'll just do a, a simple knitted polo that's short sleeve and it's very similar to John Smedley but he'll have his own spin on it and it makes it more affordable as well like where a John Smedley is nearly like 200 quid or something just for a polo where the art gallery one will be 80 pounds for example and it's I think just as good quality I love them just and it's so understated compared to a lot of brands there's no branding on there as Simon said the fit's really nice and I don't know, it doesn't look like fancy dress. I think that's, that's the thing I always try to look out for when I put something on. Does it look like I'm cosplaying Steve Marriott? And I think <laughs> Art Gallery is really good at making you look like you're wearing like something that Steve Marriott would wear, but not being like screaming the small faces in your face, I guess. Yeah, I, but, but those tops, the, the, the tops they do, they always kind of what I imagine. It's like when you, you spoke on, on the Modules thing, Simon, when you talk about Cabici and when they went over to Italy to, you know, to, to look at those designs. And I always think they get that quite well. I mean, hands up to them, you know, nice stuff. And they always get the colours right. You know, Connection Knitwear, the guy over in um, Italy, he does some very small range things. DNA Group do very similar things. Mm. But I must admit, they seem to have hit they seem to have got to the sweet, what I call the sweet spot. It's not yeah. where they're only making 10 of the thing, like some brands, you know, and, it's, and they're like 300 quid. You know, they, they seem to be making, I, I don't know how many they make, but I'm assuming that there's no more than probably 100 of each. Yeah. But they're all quite nice. And they, yeah, and yeah, they bring yeah. the changes. They keep changing them. So, you, you know, the next season, you don't see the same colour. No. Know. It's nice. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Top they also do a, a good collaboration. They did one with our good friend, Mark Baxter, where they did a... Um, uh, a letterman sweater like a cardigan sorry and it's it's yeah. lovely and, and when i spoke to mark baxter about that he was saying him and alex were fighting on over whether it was going to say m for mumper or a for art gallery alex with art gallery one they put the m for mumper on it but again that it, it looks like my friend has a uh, a vintage cardigan that is actually an american ivy league one and i've got mine and we compared the two and it's almost hard to spot which one was the original. Like that one looks older because it's been worn more. But I feel like if it was in brand new condition, you wouldn't know. No, his attention to detail is brilliant. You know, mm. he's going to do something. You know, the, the quality and the attention to detail. Yeah, he, he gets it right. Yeah, spot yeah. on. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. So, what's your favourite, Tom? What's your favourite piece? Probably the like a long sleeve plain polo. I've got one in the really nice uh, sort of like scarlet red colour. And what I do like about them is they have fold back cuffs. And it's just like details like that. It's such a really nice fitted item and you can wear it with loads. I love wearing it with my jeans and a barracuda or a nice pair of stay pressed and some loafers. And you can always match your socks up to the to the top as well. I always, and that's a nice little detail. <laughs> Love yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
But it's true though, isn't it? <laughs> it's socks. I, I, how many different colours of socks have I got? Again, Uniqlo, brilliant for that. Uniqlo, is, I'm like a, it's like a kid in a sweet shop with socks in Uniqlo. Think, oh, I've got a polo that colour, I could get them ones. And... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you really are starting to sound like a woman, because a woman would buy a pair of shoes, <laughs> now I'm going to go and buy a dress to go with the shoes. <laughs> I, I'm not saying anything more. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what everyone does? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe you're not the normal one, Andy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, but, but yeah, speaking of Andy, we'll go back to you now. What's your next item of well, my next? The next one is a brand, and I bring it up because it's it's not around anymore. Well, it is sort of tinyly. I mean, he, he tried to resurrect it. It's Melandi. Mm. Now, the reason I want to talk about Melandi is uh, two, two or three reasons. But mainly, uh, I think for guys again out on the sticks, we was in Cambridge, and at our school, the Melandi catalogue used to get pushed around. Now... What I've, I've done some research on him, and his website gives it kind of the story. He started in 78. Um, he'd worked at Sherry's Shoe Shop. Him and his uh, uncle, this is, is it uncle or cousin? One of the two. Um, he's called Mel. His cousin's called Andy. They started off a wall in a shop, and then from a wall, they got a whole shop. And in the end, they had four shops, and they were selling, you know, basically mod, mod stuff. But they weren't just a mod shop. They were very much, if you look, there's lots of rocker stuff, Teddy Boy stuff, very much a, basically a, a, a um, what do you call it, a subculture shop, you know. I don't think there's many skinheads in there, though. I think they kept them out. I don't, don't understand why, but hey um, But why I found this interesting and why I mention it is that because although we might, some mods around nowadays might tortle at it and kind of, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was definitely, definitely entry level mod in the eighties. It's all you could afford. I mean, I sent off for one of the um, scarves and it's on the back of the Milandi one, which you had Simon, I think on the, um, that there. And it's the orange one. And I wore that every day, proud as punch, knowing I was the only person in my school wearing that Crombie, I had a Crombie, just like Bruce Foxton's. I had that tucked in there, and I must have spent every dinner time tucking that thing back in, tucking that thing back in, just making it look just right, walking along like this, thinking I was like Bruce Foxton. <laughs> it's like, I don't know why I want to be Bruce Foxton, but you know, on that on that <laughs> cover, he had one, you know, and I just sort of thought, I thought, what a good look, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's like you could watch, I've said this before, you could watch Top of the Pops on a Thursday, and you could see Paul Weller wearing a, a black shirt with white spots and you could yeah. go to London on the Saturday and buy that exact shirt because mm. Paul Weller would have bought it on Monday you know so so the jam would have gone in there and, and done their shopping and you could go in there and buy I mean I used to go in there their shop was uh, in the, the old Lord John shop on the corner of yes. Carnaby Street and Gantt Street yeah that's some great yeah. stuff in there and there was Carnaby Cavern and Shelley Shoes so in in the early 80s there was some pretty good shops in Carnaby Street and the thing which I really find fascinating is he had the foresight to do mail order. Now, as we, we've talked about before, Simon, you know, that was a stress, you know, you had to get a postal order, they had to wait for it to clear, then it would turn up. I mean, it used to take forever to, to turn up. They said, they said on the poster, or, you know, whenever you saw the advert, allow 21 days. To <laughs> oh. 21 days. Now people Outrageous. expect two days. In fact, your company, Andy, you do a day turnover, don't you? If you order yeah. something the day before, you'll get it. Yeah, if, if, you, if you order something today before one o'clock, you'll be getting it tomorrow morning, sometime after nine o'clock. Wow. Uh, you know, and but Amazon are the same. I mean, I could probably yeah. just go onto my phone now and order something and it will turn up to work, you know, the, the, the next day. But but you'd be surprised. People, some people are amazed by that, which you know they are, but and but you'd be surprised how many people will you know almost kind of what do you mean i can't order at seven o'clock on a saturday uh, friday <laughs> evening and not get it saturday morning you know you, you have to kind of explain that well you should be driving them to people and you should be getting yeah, in your car and <laughs> taking them but, but, and collect. <laughs> yeah but i think that this is where this is where the mod thing kind of carried on quite well and and certainly a lot of the youngsters like myself you know i didn't leave school till 85 so i would have been 11, 10 or 11 in 1980 so by the time when i started seeing the catalog which would have been about 82 83 i was 13 you know but that was fab because my nan used to have a club book and i, I don't know if simon's mum or whatever but do you remember yeah I, that's that's where i got my rally chopper from the club book my mum yeah, <laughs> yeah. The rally and you could pay off was it 
pay off weekly or monthly brilliant it's ridiculous my mum brought me a vox amp out of there a transistor one right bless her and i think even then it was like oh, i'm gonna say 120 quid and it was ridiculous because if you walked into a shop you could get that exact same thing for 80 quid so it's 40 quid different for a start and you're paying weekly my mum mm. i don't mm. was that just because you could pay weekly they put yeah. the price up right yeah, of course. And that's how a lot of people talk. Robert Elms talks about that, doesn't he, Simon, in The Way We Wore the Book, really talks about that. Mm. He's badgered, like you said, he badgered and badgered his mum for a pair of Levi's and, and she couldn't afford them. So she hooked something at the local, you know, thing, whatever, you know, to get the money so he could have a pair of Levi's. Because he said, yeah. that's what all working class mums did. That's what my mum did and that's what everybody, everybody did. So, but, but getting back to Mel Andy, I think... What was interesting about that, he also talks about making sure it was as cheap as possible, which meant the quality was a bit dubious. But at least he wasn't stupid because he knew that if I got a jumper, my mate would want the jumper as well. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, very clever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, so I, I, I kind of take my, you know, dot my cap as they say to him. But obviously, the quality was an issue because he's not here now. <laughs> you know, I don't know why they stopped. I'm assuming that they probably just run out of steam like a lot of these things do, or they just got bored, you know. But what? A, but for, I, I like the idea that some people shine brightly for a small amount of time. Do, 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 I yeah. Like that, that yeah, yeah, of, yeah, 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 yeah. And for that, I, I, I kind of, that's why I wanted to draw attention to it because I just think that's a good thing. What's your favourite piece by them? Was it the scarf that you got, would you say? Uh, well, obviously, it's that orange paint. <laughs> which, if you look at it now, I mean, I know how to make scarves now. I mean, I could make that probably, you know, like I could make that in about 25 minutes. But so some poor sod somewhere was probably being paid like 50p an hour to make those. Mm. You know what I mean? They're, it's awful, really. But um, So is it just like a silk tootle type? Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's a rip off of that, you know. And um, but there's some other things. There's some. They did the the jumper, didn't they? That Terry Rawlings swears blind. He came up with first, which is the grey one with the the two arrows on. And so you could be Paul Weller off the front of the Modern World album, you know. Great, <laughs> you know. It's, you know, it's, a, it's little boys' dreams, you know. It's mm. all of those stuff. So, uh, um, but is it very mod? I think I think you get past it very quickly, and you know, but. But why not? You know, it's a clever name, though. It sounds like it should be a little Italian boutique. Well, it, that, that's what they did. Apparently, mm. he said it was Mel Andy and took the Y off and put the I on instead to make mm. it sound Italian. Very so, clever. Uh, uh, yeah. I, hey ho. I, I mean, it, I, I just reminisce about it really because I, I suspect the people listening to this will be obviously sort of thinking, oh yeah, I remember Carnaby Cavern and Sherry's and all the kind of the usuals down Car Carnaby Street at that time. But it was the mail order thing. I think that was the thing they absolutely nailed. And I'm, you know, to have it in colour, they did it in colour as well. They must have given away thousands of those things. And what a, what a clever thing to do, you know, really clever. But you would, you but would see the advert in, you know, you'd see the advert in The Face or you'd see the advert in the, the New Musical Express or, you know, Smash Hits. There'd be a little advert at the back with a tiny, it'd be drawn with a pen, wouldn't it? Yes. And obviously, <laughs> and it, and, the sales and, and you'd send off your postal order or your check, you know, for, for $16.99 for a pair of jam shoes. And, you know, and a few weeks later, you'd get these, these shoes. It was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing they fitted, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't, but you never sent them back. You just... No, no, no. no. <laughs> Leave the tissue in the end. <laughs> so what's, what's, what's your next one, this song? Okay, my next one is Ben Sherman. Uh, the reason I've chosen that is because, uh, you know, when I first got into the mod thing back in 79-80, the Ben Sherman shirt was the one that, you, you know, you had to wear. And I uh, just think it's a fascinating story. I was lucky enough to meet Nancy Sherman, which was um, Ben Sherman's wife. And that was through Terry Rawlings, because he's written two books, which I have here. Just going to plug, going to plug Terry. So <laughs> showing it to the camera, nobody can see it if you're listening, but... The first one was Paolo Hewitt and uh, Terry, so my favourite shirt. But this next one, which is called Button Down, which is the story of Nancy uh, Sherman, you can't get this anymore because uh, legend has it that 
the, the person who had them has burnt them all. So this is signed as well, signed by Terry and signed by Nancy. And she was a fascinating uh, character. Uh, and she told me the story. One other thing she said was the Benjamin original originated from when they were in the shop in sort of 1966. Uh, the suede, suede heads and the skinheads were coming in and saying, oh, Ben Sherman. And they had these sort of tulip collar, uh, flowery paisley shirts that they, they were all trendy at the time. And the, the skinheads were like, no, 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 we want the original. You know, where is, where's the original button down? And that's where that original, you know, Ben Sherman original comes from. That's what Nancy told me. But yeah, I mean, he, he went to America. Uh, he got married. He worked in a... Um, a business which was Santa Monica Clothing Company, and they were making beachwear and um, Ivy League button-down shirts. And it didn't work out. In '62, he came back to England, and he allegedly stole all the patterns for these shirts. He imported the Oxford cloth from New York and started making uh, affordable button-down shirts. Because, you know, as I said before, Brooks Brothers shirts they were imported into the UK, but they were really expensive. So he saw a market there for these lovely shirts and started to produce them. They were made in Brighton and originally called uh, Sussex shirts. Yeah. And then his top salesman was Ronnie Wiseman. And they said, well, we can't call it Sussex shirts. What should we call it Ronnie Wiseman shirts? And then Ben said, no, no, no. Why don't we call it Ben Sherman? And apparently they tossed the coin and Ronnie won. And then Ben said, no, no, no best of three. <laughs> so eventually <laughs> Ben won. And, um, and it was called the Ben Sherman Shirt. And they, they had a, uh, a showroom in Carnaby Street in 1965. And it's interesting that when we used to wear them, they were very slim fit. You know, the 60s and in the, you know, they were, I was a 14-inch collar when I used to wear them. Uh, but then you go into... Yeah, I'm a 14-inch collar, Simon. This is a yeah, I know, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. You've got a lovely shirt on there, Andy. <laughs> I'm a 14-inch collar, Simon. I haven't been 14 uh, since I was 12, but anyway, yeah, go on. <laughs> same here. But no, it's, it's interesting when the, the Britpop thing came back in, in in 94, when Oasis and Blur and Ocean Colour Scene, they were wearing Ben Shemmers, but they wore them looser mm. and, and untucked. Really baggy, weren't they? they were yeah. really... The one I'm actually wearing now, funnily enough, is an archive one, and it's meant to be a 60s cut, but I don't, I don't know how true that is, because it, it does. this is a medium, but it's a very baggy classic fit medium like i wouldn't wear the shirt on its own without something over it for instance because it is yeah, yeah, it's like mean, a classic fit but, but the ben I, sherman I, then simon the, the ben sherman then i remember going clubbing in the early 90s and everybody who had them to say oasis brought them back in i don't know about that i remember going like to clubs like hard times in leeds and things like that and and everybody kind of had a ben sherman on because kind of weren't going to get away with the rave gear you do you understand what i'm trying to say you you, you couldn't have yeah. gone pure rave into a club yeah. you had to you had to wear a shirt do, do you understand what i'm saying so i suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I suppose they wanted it baggy because it was good to dancing do, do, do you understand what yeah. i'm trying to say so I, I i don't know i don't know that i don't know because i there's a there's a really good documentary about oasis by uh, but it's about the fans of oasis rather than oasis per se and they say in that they say about them being a mod casual look you know and mm -hmm. it's it, it's centered around that and saying how Noel is not really a mod, he's a mod casual, he's sort of really stuck between the two. And I always think about that, I, that's why I don't think it's fitted. I, I don't, you, you wouldn't have seen Gallagher wearing something fitted, it wouldn't have suited the music. Does that make sense? It's, it's too... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a Manchester interpretation, isn't it? Yes, exactly. But I think they, they, I've, I've heard Noel Gallagher say before that was it was kind of like hand-me-down culture of what they wore. So I think it'd be yeah, past the brothers, Ben Shermans and things. I don't it know. Paul, Paul's the older brother, isn't he? Yeah, like, that's right. So Paul, Paul was the mod. Mm. You, you know that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Paul, Paul was the older mod brother. And I think they, I believe, so I've been told, that Paul's older and so Noel and, and then Liam just used yeah. to get everything from him. Mm. So I imagine it was always, a, like you say, hand-me-down. I always... Mm assumed and i also just assumed because they were hacienda boys so yeah. i they, they kind of got it from from that so what, hence why they sort of wear jeans which are baggy but with adidas but they wore ben sherman so it's a yeah. real mishmash yeah. so anyway andy getting back to me <laughs> sorry 
welcome. Welcome to the Andy from Mod Shoes show. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I have some very fixed opinions on things. Stop again. <laughs> but no, I, I think one of the reasons I chose it as well was um, because it's a success story. Basically started from nothing. And um, my partner in crime, Keith Brown, who I work with, uh, he worked for them in 1971. And, and their shop in Brighton was called Millions of Shirts. And they literally sold millions of shirts. The, oh. the shop shopkeepers told me that the, the, the vans would draw, draw up to the shops and start unloading the, shop, uh, the shirts and customers would be out there buying the shirts from the boxes. They didn't even bother putting them in the window. It, it was that successful. It was phenomenal. You can't imagine so, that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no. just, that. That just doesn't seem to make sense. Is that because that would be literally the only place in England that would have them? Is, is that yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd get them in good quality independent stores. You know, I don't think any big uh, department store would have them. Uh, you know, there, there would be Ronnie Wiseman, the salesman, going around to all these shops, you know, taking orders. And uh, apparently the, the men's trade shows, the Ben Sherman stand was absolutely mobbed. People, uh, you know, writing orders, massive. I'd love to write the kind of orders that they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that they used to get in those days. But yeah, it was just a phenomenon. And like you said, the only place you could get it would be your local independent menswear shop. Um, They've got they an amazing archive, haven't they? Like some of the, I I think I particularly like the um, candy stripe and roller stripe shirts they do. They, just amazing. You look back at some of them shirts that, like the small, didn't the small faces actually rehearse above Ben Sherman? Is it Ben Sherman? And I think um, they used to come down and get paid in shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah, the dream, job. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. but, uh, until you get older and realise you have no royalties whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Spent on clothes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so Ben Chairman, and favourite one would be I've got the Paul Weller candy stripe one that he did. Nice. You know, with the, the four finger roll. So I've got one. Of, well, two of those, funny enough. Um, but yeah, that would be my favourite piece. Very good. Can I tell you an interesting story about that shirt? Go on. So we had Carl on Mod Juice Live, and Carl is the bassist of the farm, and. Um, he is a massive jam fan, and I, I didn't know that. So anyway, I was looking through pictures of, you know, indie bands, just looking at stuff like that. And then I saw him wearing this, and I thought, that looks like an old Ben Sherman, like that. So anyway, I found his email address and found him on various things, and I said hello to him. He said, well, it's funny you should get in contact with me. And I said, why is that? Then he said, well, I've got several of your shoes already. Have you? And then there's me, like... But I, I'm a massive farm fan, do you know what I mean? And then I find out that he's a customer before, <laughs> do, do, do you know what I mean? Mm. And, he, and I said, do you in the mod thing then? I, I noticed you got like the Ben, you know that. And he apparently he's got several of Bruce Foxton's um, boating blazers that he wore and he's brought them in auction just to have. And there's a picture of him wearing the one, is it in the Strange Down video where it's the black with the pink one, Simon? You you know the one I'm on about. The, the sort yeah, of yeah, yeah. He's got that exact one. He paid good money for oh, it. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, So I think a bit like Fred Perry, one of the good things I like about it is basically it's kind of stuck to the blueprint from day one. Yes, they've done lots of cheesy things now, and arguably the slippers are probably not the best idea. But but ultimately, you do think about the shirt, which is cool. You know, yeah, so how if you look at the range, they've still got the, the button-down shirt in there. They've got some nice knitwear. So, yeah, you, you still can find some really nice pieces in there. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And, and have you got a favourite? Uh, yeah, the Paul Weller. Oh, you did, yeah, did yeah. say that. Pay attention, young man. <laughs> I, I need another drink. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> oh, Tom, so, right. Tom. So, my final piece I've chosen is the Baswegian, particularly the Penny Loafer that they do. Um, Baswegian's been around, well, the company's kind of been around since 1876, but the penny loafer itself that they make, as we know today, has been around since 1936. And the name Weegian comes from because it sounds like Norwegian, and it's originally based on a Norwegian farmer's shoe, but uh, it's like the American interpretation for everyday wear. But because of the weather in Manchester, I've had this conversation with Andy before, I love suede desert boots, but I can never wear them because of the amount of times it rains. The Met Office app on my phone is a best friend because the amount of days I check that and see what the weather's like outside, and I always end up wearing a pair of penny loafers. 
I've got some rubber soled ones. They're a good everyday shoe and I wear them to work every day in the hard wearing and they wear in well, I think, and they stay, they keep their shape. I've got them in quite a few colours, but I think my favourite, actually, I'll leave my favourite to last. We'll talk about it a bit more. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good point, actually, because, um, again, going down to Brighton, um, we went down to the, the mod weekender and it absolutely chucked it down. And I had a pair of Bass Regions on and I was riding around on the scooter and we couldn't go anywhere. We were stuck in traffic. And when I got back, we were absolutely soaking in and it ruined the, the leather bottoms. I had to have them resold because, mm. you know, it literally rotted the stitching away and it came away. But yeah, I agree. They're, they're lovely shoe. Really, really nice shoe. And I remember working in Next in 89 and they did a version of the Bass Region Loafer. And they were really, really popular, you know, back in the, really? you know, the early 90s. All I, reckon, I reckon, I think we're going to have a moment here. I brought from Next, did you used to sell them on the street going up to the Grafton Centre, Simon? Yes. I brought them out of there in 1988, yeah. <laughs> because the moment you used to wear them, and I really, because the moment you, and they brought them from John Simons, but I, there's no way I could afford a pair of John Simons, not in them days. And I brought them because they had them on the front of that cover of one of their singles, which I can't remember. One, two, they fly. And uh, um, so I probably brought them from the shop. And I didn't know you, but you were probably the manager of the shop where I brought them. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. probably. They, were, they, they were a really, really good version of a really good quality, you know, yeah. identical to the Bass Weaves. And they probably got made in the same factory. But mm. yeah, it was very much that kind of, look you know the penny loafer with a white pair of socks uh we, we were and even the they did the ladies version and all the girls used to wear the, the penny loafer mm. it was uh it was a great look they do a version now called the easy region which is meant to be have the look of the classic um bass region but it's for every day and so it's got like a um a rubber sole on it that's got tread on it so if you were to go out it I, they're not going to get ruined the only thing I do kind of dislike about them is it does come with a tiny, tiny label on the on the back, but most of the time you can't see it. But I just think they're such an iconic shoe, and I think they do actually cross subcultures, don't they? They go into yeah. I, Simon. Do you think that they enter the mod sphere because of modern jazz? Because the modern I always they just remind me of guys on Blue Note. The cool guys, you know, they just look. It just to me, it, you wouldn't imagine a heavy pair of brogues. You'd imagine nice ivy shoes, which I just think of a Bass Legion loafer. Do, do you think is it is it part of that? Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I think I think the whole Ivy League, you know, the the Blue Note record, the covers, the button down shirts, you know, the tweed jackets, the the loafers. I think they were a, a massive influence on the uh, you know the mod scene. You know that kind of look. An interesting thing about <laughs> interesting thing about apparently Miles Davis. I'm not sure he was one of the people that changed that whole look of the jazz scene altogether. And I think subsequently it probably influenced the mods. Apparently, I can't remember which gig it was. He, it was some college in America. He turned up at in his own clothes that he was going to wear on stage that night. Then saw all of these college students wearing knitted ties, like thin ones and all that. And apparently, then he went to the campus shop which was nothing like my campus shop, I presume, that just sold pencil <laughs> cases and things like that. But he came kitted out in like... White lightning and all that. <laughs> he came out, decked out in uh, like a three-button tweed jacket and all the rest of it. And yeah, I think the Penny Loafer is definitely, yeah. as Simon said, one of those, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I think it was, uh, you know, that I think influence. And also from the films, you look at Cary Grant, you know, uh, Fred Astaire, they all wore these penny loafers. Uh, I think it would have had a, you know, an influence on anyone going to see it. Do you, do you think, Simon, because when, when I, because obviously we sell shoes and I've got mine from, I get our kind of version of the Bass region, basically from a place in, in, in Spain. And I ponder that, you know, they've been making them since 1948 from the factory we buy from. And I always think of them, I think there's two things going on here. I think the American look for the Ivy look, I don't, I'm not going to dispute that at all. So my point is, is when you think about um, the modernist term, which is what Wayne was going on about the weekend on a, a podcast that we were all listening to, is he was trying to say it was just a word and it became a thing. And a little bit of me ponders whether the idea that mods were mods, 
you know, because of modern jazz and all that stuff, whatever the word modernist. I, I wonder, sometimes I ponder, if the, the word continentalist is not a thing. Now, I know Paul Weller picked up on it later with the Style Council and all those sort of things, but I ponder with the Baswegian, it always feels to me very much like a European tune. I know it's American, but it feels like a European tune. And certainly, you know, Simon, when you go around Rome and places like that, you see guys who are dressed in a nice kind of Italian suit. You know they're going for a coffee. You know, they wear little loafers. And you just think, that's, that's, that's cool. You know what I mean? Not the yeah, no, I mean, you know, we're talking about Wayne. Wayne was talking about the, in Soho, the Italians riding around on scooters. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, you know, you go to Italy and, and they've got a certain look and, and the mods picked up on that look, whether it was through cinema or or whether walking through London and seeing these guys, you know, they're influenced and they they, they take they take it and uh, make it their own. I guess it looks European as well because it's a, a kind of like a slimmer shoe, isn't it, than the classic like American wingtip that is quite bulky. It's, um, I think a slimline look is very kind of like a European thing, I think, anyway. I, th I think you're right, Tom. I, I, when I think about the look, because if you think about English-made shoes then, and like some of the brogues we sell, and, and I know Simon likes, they're quite what I call slab-like. They're quite heavy. Yeah, yeah. A bass is not. A bass has got, like, it, on the, 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 the loafer bit of it, you know, on the sole bit of it, it's curved. It's not mm. got the heavy, you know, bit where the, uh, what do they call it? I can't remember what they call it, where the, 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 the string goes through to hold it together. It's and not. The, the beef roll, do you mean, along the edge? No, no, not the beef roll. You know... Um, Oh, what do you call it? Oh, like I know what you mean. Where yeah. the saddle is, and each side of the saddle, you've got the. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I don't and, know and it's, it's just it's just more dainty. I mean, it's the difference between if you look at say Loke do a Brighton, which is a kind of classic tassel loafer, and then you look at a Baswegian, you go, well, that's from the seventies, and that's from the, the yeah. late early sixties, and it, it. Paul Davis was saying about how you know that's mod, that's skinhead. And you sort of think, well, is it? But, 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 but the point is, it's just a little bit more care. And to my mind, a bit more, dare I keep saying this again, continentalist. It feels like something they would have worn abroad. And I, I think that would have been a massive influence on those early mods in the, the Soho and the Italians and all of that. Do you, do you, feel, do you think the same sort yeah, no, of I mean, if you, if you look at the jam and then you look at the style council and the look that yeah. he went for then, you know, he goes over to Paris and they start wearing Baswegians, white Levi's, you know, it's very much that continental look. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he, he adopted that, which I think the original mods, that's the kind of look that they were, would be going for. And I guess you'd wear a pair of Baswegians without, you, co you can wear them without socks, whereas like a pair of Brightons by Loke, it wouldn't look right, would it? They're too bulky, it's like... Yeah. Oh yeah. You'd have no ankles after. <laughs> but, but so is it the is it the the what I we call them penny love, but earls are our one. But but do you is it that like you don't do you like the feathers? Do you like the tassels? Do you just like it plain? How how is, so I've what, got I've got a pair of the tassels and just the regular penny, but I think I like the penny loafers. Just I feel like they can the more versatile they can be dressed up or down. I think look good with jeans or you can wear a nice pair of trousers with them or chinos. And I, I just think it's a lot more versatile a shoe. And I don't know, I guess that is why. And I do like my kind of love of the mod thing comes from jazz. And I think that's the affiliation I like with it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue. I'm not arguing with that one. You? <laughs> cool. But, um, I think my favourite pair would probably be uh, just a regular pair of Oxblood penny loafers. I think I just like that. They look great with white jeans. As I said before, they're just versatile. They go with everything. Yeah. yeah Apart from like tracksuit bottoms and a hoodie. Wouldn't look good with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's my, what I call my son when somebody go you go to a Sunday car boot sale and you see a bloke in a blazer. <laughs> A string vest, he's got egg down it somewhere, jogging bottoms and a pair of loafers, but the awful loafers like you would get out of Tesco's. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So he's wearing shoes with jogging bottoms. Yeah, that is not a mod look. Would you ever make <laughs> Velcro shoes, Andy? Have you ever thought about that? What's that? Would you ever make Velcro shoes? Uh, Velcro. No. I think he's swearing at you. He's swearing at you, Andy. Yeah, I, think, I, I think you should 
you should stop sketches. They're lovely. They're very comfortable. Ringo Starr likes them. <laughs> <laughs> the epitome of fashion. Oh, they're just awful. They're just, you know what I mean? We, when, when we were coming up with mod shoes and we had the smart shoes for smart people thing, you know, because I was trying to describe it to a friend and he was going, what are you on about? You know, and I said, well, mods tend to be, they, they, they tend to think about what they're wearing all the time. I mean, it was him who come up with the smart shoes for smart people. He kind of, so they're always smart. Yeah. But, but it's not just smart, smart. It's smart in there yeah. as well. And, and he was kind of, oh, I see. Right. So it's thought about. It's not just worn. It's foot yeah. and the whole thing is put together. And all of the brands we've spoken about this evening, I'm not trying to round us up, Tom, but <laughs> is all of the brands that we've all talked about tonight all feel on their own, if you wear them as part of the kind of, not the mod cliche, but like Simon has said, you know, with a pair of jeans, Ben Sherman, uh, desert boots, you know, and you go to another town and you see somebody wearing something, something similar, you go, you're right. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You just yeah. know. <laughs> you know yeah. yeah, 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 totally. And I, I think that's, I think all of the brands that we've spoken about have that, don't they? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. I think so. And they're still here. I mean, we're, we're talking about them. I know Art Gallery is quite new, but, um, you know, they're brands that are, are still around. And there's obviously got to be a reason for that because they're good. Well, that's just about all we've got time for in this podcast. Join us again in the next episode where we'll discuss yet another exciting topic surrounding fashion, style and menswear as the dedicated followers of fashion. You can follow us on Instagram at dedicated followers of fashion and you can give us an email if you want to suggest a topic or anything like that at dedicatedfollowerspodcast at gmail.com. But right now, goodbye. Bye. Bye. I don't know why I'm waving. Thank you for tuning in to Dedicated Followers of Fashion, starring Andrew Lindsay, Simon Parr, and me, Tom Hoy. Remember, you can find us on Instagram at Dedicated Followers of Fashion, and you can email us to request anything you'd like for us to talk about at dedicatedfollowerspodcast at gmail.com. Dedicated Followers of Fashion.